This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. Great to have you with us for the Friday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Entrepreneur Friday at 1239. A story you are going to want to hear. We will talk with the co-founder of Old Arthur's Barbecue here in Chicago. He's using a family recipe. Been around more than 100 years. First created by a great-great-grandfather. He was a slave on a Missouri production farm back in the early 1800s. Great story. That's at 1239. Also in our next segment, Greg Hines is going to join us from Crane's Chicago Business. Some thoughts on the Bears in Arlington Heights. Is there a chance they're really moving or is it all just a big bluff? Right now, the latest tally of consumer spending and sentiment is out today. Let's see what it says about the economy. Carl Riccadonna is here, chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg, based in New York. Carl, let's begin with inflation. What are we seeing here? Well, what we're seeing on the inflation front, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for having me uh, join you again. Uh, what we're seeing on the inflation front is a, uh, a real pick up in uh, the pace of uh, growth, which is not surprising given uh, the comparison between what we're seeing now and where we were a year ago, right, uh, during the, the darkest, some of the darkest days of the uh, pandemic. So uh, a lot of categories that were uh, particularly depressed last year, whether it's movie tickets, sporting events, concerts, uh, those types of things have uh, really seen a dramatic change in prices this year as vaccination efforts have been successful and the economy is reopening. Uh, so the real challenge for us is to look at the inflation numbers uh, and filter out those kind of obvious uh, one-off uh, uh, factors and, and look at the underlying trend. And, and when we do that, we can see that uh, the pickup in inflation is much more uh, mild. It still is uh, significant, but not nearly as dramatic as you know, some of these headline readings of, uh, you know, 4% uh, inflation in the economy uh, that we saw today, for instance. And when we look at uh, inflation surveys, because really the, the true driver of inflation is, is households and consumers' expectations towards inflation, uh, things are starting to mellow out uh, to some degree. Uh, and that's largely a function of Gasoline prices seem to be maybe uh, peaking after a, a dramatic run-up in the first part of this year. Uh, and uh, things like grocery prices, believe it or not, are, are not falling, but they're growing at a much slower pace. Uh, so we are starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel uh, that maybe some of this flare-up in price pressures is starting to pass. Now, when we get uh, beyond this, you know, assuming that the inflation is uh, is you know fairly temporary here, uh, will we actually see prices come down a little bit? Or would that be good, or would that be a different sort of challenge to the economy? Well, I don't know that we'll actually see prices uh, come down. Uh, certainly not on a uh, on a broad basis. So, uh, specific product categories, something that was very much in demand. Uh, during the pandemic and is no longer such a high priority 
some of those uh, uh, categories, uh, we could see price declines. But on an overall basis, uh, unfortunately, uh, consumers are not going to see the uh, you know the price of those shopping carts uh, really decline in any uh, material fashion when we when we look at the the broader uh, body of spending on goods, services, food, uh, etc. The fact that we have consumer spending flat uh, is that an, another thing? And you touched on this. Is that another thing leading us to think that this inflation will be a short term? I think that is a very important uh, factor to consider. So uh, you, these are May figures we're looking at. So it, you know it's too early in the year to tell. Uh, but when we look at uh, personal spending, it was it was flat in the month. Uh, and once we adjust for that bite from the rising uh, in- inflation, uh, we actually see that consumer spending in inflation-adjusted terms actually declined a little bit in the month. So that tells us that the rebate checks have been either cashed or invested or or salted away. Uh, and uh, when the economy is normalizing here, we're already starting to see signs that while the second quarter is going to be a, a fantastic quarter, probably the, the strongest growth in the economy since uh, 1983, uh, we can already see signs that the second half of the year will be uh, a little bit cooler. And, and that's a healthy thing because the economy shouldn't be growing at a 10 percent pace on a sustained basis. That's far too fast, uh, given uh, you know, our population growth and uh, dynamics in the labor force and whatnot. So we need to see that moderation to have confidence that things won't boil over and overheat. The new. Thanks so much for all the analysis. Carl Riccadonna, chief U.S. economist at Bloomberg. The Bears announcement that they're placing a bid on the Arlington International Race Course in Arlington Heights, fueling talk of a possible new stadium. But is it all just a bluff? Let's get the perspective of Greg Hines, columnist. You read him at Crane's Chicago Business. Greg, what do you think? Just a bluff or might they actually move? Uh, Yes and no. It depends on what the time frame is, Cisco. Um, I took a look at the lease. I talked to Partick officials, former officials. I talked to people in the sports world. And uh, the opinion I uh, finally came up with, my bottom line, is that uh, it's really unlikely that the Bears are going to be able to break their lease. Uh, It's it's pretty a good lawyer could do magic, as we all know, but uh, but it's pretty strong. For instance, it envisions that in the event of a uh, of an improper relocation, as the lease puts it, uh, that the Bears would be subject to penalties of 150 percent of the project's costs. I mean, that's millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, uh, uh, in any event, even if they decided to move to Arlington Heights, it would probably take five years at least. Uh, to get a stadium up, so I think that's unlikely. But after 2033, when their uh, when their lease is up, I think all bets are off. But 2033, by that point, it would be a different site, right? Because Arlington Heights, and and specifically Arlington International, I should say, because Arlington Heights doesn't own the property. Arlington International, they're they're not going to wait all that time to sell it and wait for something to be developed. Uh, not necessarily. Um, the, the Bears could. Uh, the, the, one of the things in, uh, in in professional sports, now particularly uh, athletic stadiums, is you want to develop an entertainment district that has all kinds of ancillary stuff around it. So maybe do the ancillary stuff uh, and uh, and uh, build the stadium, use it for other stuff, don't, but not for the Bears until uh, uh, until uh, the, the lease is ready. Or maybe they get together with the city and try to buy out just the last year or two of the lease. Uh, uh, rather than the entire thing. Um, uh, uh, 
the, the, what's driving this Cisco is that increasingly, uh, much as some people love it, Soldier Field is obsolete. Um, uh, it's small. It's open to the, it's open to uh, the elements. It doesn't have these other things around it. Uh, the entertainment complexes. Uh, now, what I'd like to see, and what some people are talking about privately, is well, maybe the city needs to respond with its own bid. You know, you want the bears to re-up. Maybe we need to seriously talk about putting up a dome. That wasn't technologically feasible last time. Uh, 20 or 30 years ago, last time we went through this drill, but maybe it is now. A uh, retractable dome, the, the, the state of technology there has moved quickly. Uh, but uh, I think the city at its peril would assume that uh, that there's no way the bears are ever going to go and that we could just maybe throw them a little more money and they'll say, I'm not I'm not sure that's uh, that's a good bet. Well, it's interesting. Is, is, you know, when this first came out, when Ted Phillips first released the statement, uh, you, you expected this to be a, sort of a groundswell of, of anger and frustration among Bears fans. No, 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 you can't leave the city. And as best I can tell, just from social media, you know, sports talk radio, the, the score, you know, you're, you're not really getting that. No, I don't think you are. Uh, I mean, they did. You know, the inside of Soldier Field, if you can uh, get past the so, the uh, flying saucer aspect from the outside, it's 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 kind of comfortable. But uh, we've gotten as a nation, we've kind of gotten spoiled. We want our, our athletic events to be uh, climate controlled. Uh, we want uh, lots of skyboxes to pay lots of bills. We want all kinds of uh, first class amenities like restaurants or whatever. And, and Soldier Field just doesn't have that. And I think maybe that kind of explains that, well, maybe we look, need to look at some alternatives kind of a reaction from some fans. Really interesting. Thanks so much. Always good to get your analysis and insight. Greg Hines, you read him at Crane's Chicago Business. Just ahead, a surge in postponed weddings, causing some couples to engage in panic booking. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Weddings are making a big comeback following a year in which many were postponed. That means it can be tough to book venues, caterers, and other services. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Kelly Bros, publisher of Chicago Style Weddings, in print and online, chicagostyleweddings.com. Uh, so, Kelly, what's going on here? You, you have kind of pent-up demand and only so many venues, so many service providers. Hi, Cisco. Gosh, so thrilled and honored to be a part of your show. Been a big fan for a long time. And yes, the uh, wedding industry is, well, it's a great industry to be in, but yes, the um, supply is much uh, lower than the demand right now due to the pandemic. And if you're, say, wanting a photographer, okay, so you go out and you look to book a photographer, and yet it's not like compared to last year, there's, you know, 50% more photographers, even though there's this increased demand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the bottom line is in 2020, there were virtually no events. And so now we're into 2021, and everyone is trying to jam two wedding seasons into one wedding season. And there are so many couples that want to get married and there's only so many vendors. So um, the vendors are working as hard as they possibly can to meet the needs and the demands of the couples. But, you know, there's only so many days in the week. There's only so many weeks in the year. So they're doing the best they can, but it's definitely a, a really difficult situation. So are people who want to book weddings, what are they having to do? Just sort of be patient, make a lot of phone calls, be willing to work with schedules. I mean, how do they, how do they handle this? 
Yeah, all of the above um, and a bit of a combination of all of it. So if the couple is able and willing to wait until 2022, they're going to get the desired vendor, the desired date, potentially the desired um, price point. Uh, but if they are just absolutely not willing to wait any longer, and I mean, we get it. <laughs> they already waited a year or two. So they're saying, hey, we want to get married in 2021. They're probably very likely going to have to make some concessions, right? They're going to have to get potentially married during the week rather than a weekend or not on their first choice, very special date or time of the year. So they're definitely going to have to make some compromise here. And I don't know that this is happening often, but um, hopefully they're not having to pay top dollar or, you know, lose money on that situation. It's a very rare occasion that we hear that someone says, well, I'll pay you X amount in order to get that. Um, But you know, in isolated cases, things like that can happen. Yeah, it would seem like prices would go up, right? I mean, it's just basic <laughs> supply and demand. Right. The economics of it all um, yeah, that we've learned for years is definitely having a, a big run right now. Yeah, a lot of patience for sure. Thank you so much. Good to talk with you. That's Kelly Bros, publisher of Chicago Style Weddings. Go online, chicagostyleweddings.com. Also available in print. Still ahead, Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago-based multi-generational family barbecue business. It's looking to go big. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Crews search for survivors of a building collapse in Florida. It's left at least four people dead. Federal prosecutors take aim at a new restrictive voting law in Georgia. Sales of Nike gear surges as shoppers choose casual wear in their return to regular life. 
Entrepreneur Friday, a family barbecue business in Chicago, more than 160 years in the making. WBBM Business, the Dow up 226 points. NASDAQ is down 8 and the S&P is up 10 points. Oil is up 1%. We have clouds in Chicagoland, still a little bit of rain. We have a chance for some sunshine later this afternoon. Right now, 74 at O'Hare. It's 71 downtown as we head to a high of 81 degrees. Search and rescue crews are trying to locate survivors beneath the collapsed floors of a condo building near Miami. CBS's Peter King is there. Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava says nobody is giving up hope. We're actively involved in search and rescue from both below and from above. It's not just about looking for signs of life, but listening for them, too. Fire Operations Chief Ray Jadala. It's not specifically, you know, human sounds. It could be, you know, tapping. It could be steel, uh, you know, kind of twisting. It could be some of the debris kind of raining down. Peter King, CBS News, Surfside, Florida. The U.S. Justice Department is taking the state of Georgia to court over its new election law. Attorney General Merrick Garland has announced the federal government is filing a lawsuit seeking to overturn Senate Bill 202. It imposes new voter identification requirements, limits the use of ballot drop boxes, and includes other requirements. Critics say it will disproportionately affect minority voters. This is the eighth lawsuit seeking to overturn provisions of the new law. Odyssey is your home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or just ask your smart speaker to play WBBM News Radio. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Noon Business Hour is presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. The Dow is up 223 right now. The NASDAQ down 14, and the S&P is up 9. Stocks, uh, for the most part, higher. Let's see what's going on. Brian Perry, senior editor, brianperryinvesting.com, based in Richmond, Virginia. Brian, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, we're ending on a mixed note here, Cisco. We've had a, a very good week overall. You've got portfolio window dressing taking place here. Fund managers want to own the right stocks as they gussy up their portfolios. And we're seeing a you know a reversion back into some of the um, certainly the Fang stocks. Technologies had a good week here. The debate between technology versus and growth versus de, um, the reflation value stocks has somewhat subsided. Everything seems to be working fairly well, with the exception of utilities and some consumer staples. So you've got nine of the eleven sectors having a good week overall within the uh, within the S and P five hundred. Uh, to to comment on today, you've got a bond market here where yields have popped higher here with the uh, tenure now uh, pushing back up to 1.54. And this was on a stronger PCE uh, report here that came out this morning, which uh, is one of the inflation indicators that the Fed follows closely here. That was up about four-tenths of uh, 1% month over month, but is up about uh, 4% year over year. And that's... Um, Got people thinking that maybe uh, the you know the the Fed's transitory uh, you know uh, rhetoric has um, has more room to um, to extend itself out here. So we've seen uh, the financials really have had a, a very strong day here, led by J.P. Morgan and other banks. They uh, they had a good um, a good week passing their stress test yesterday. So which is basically a a measure to see how well they do during recessionary pressures. So they've been allowed, they've been given the green light to either uh, raise uh, dividends or increase their buybacks. And we'll start to see those announcements come out here early next week. So there's a lot of anticipation 
in some of those stocks here. Um, some uh, wider speculation about Wells Fargo probably being able to deliver the biggest uh, surprise in that particular department. So, but beyond that, though, Fang has had a good week here. Uh, Nasdaq hit a new all-time high, and that's uh, that's you know causing uh, the market to kind of feed on itself here. We've got a, a probably a very good finish to the quarter. And which is seasonally usually a tough time, you know, uh, leading up to the the front part of July. So uh, the market's running counter to the historical trend, but that's a good thing here. And uh, it's been good rotation all the way around. So what I'm seeing here is uh, a market where there's a lot of uh, cautious optimism coming into the end of the quarter. But we're going to have a very, very solid second quarter earnings season, which will start the mid, mid part of July. And then from there, it's just, um, you know, we should have a continuation of the summer rally. There's a good shot that the S&P could see 4,400 here by mid to late July. You touched on inflation and and what the Fed Mm -hmm. has said. Is the fact that the markets are doing pretty well show that they're agreeing with the Fed, that inflation is not really a long-term concern? Yes, you've seen that because you saw the uh, the long term yield on the thirty year bond really came down this last week here, and that's that's indicative of a market that says you know we're going to see inflation peak here in mid year, and then we it's not that we won't have some inflationary pressure, which is actually a good thing overall. You know you want some you know some modest price pressure, but as long as inflation doesn't run above three and a half percent, then this market's fine with that, and then we're still uh, you know maintaining kind of a Goldilocks scenario there where you've got. The desirable rate of inflation that the Fed's looking for at two percent or just above that, and then a market here that can withstand that from this, uh, you know, the bond market not running away from it here, where yields are going to pop too high. So that's uh, it allows for good pricing pressure for products and services, uh, in, you know, for profit margins as well as gives people a chance here to raise their wages and keep up with inflation, which uh, seems to be the sweet spot right now. And that's that's kind of how the market is taking and absorbing this last week here after getting having a, a real uh, you know, hissy fit uh, initially after the Fed meeting. Thanks so much, Brian Perry, Senior Editor, Brian Perry, Investing.com. Up next, Entrepreneur Friday, a Chicago business that's attracting throngs of barbecue lovers. The recipe goes back more than 100 years. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. This afternoon, we're getting a taste of barbecue with a member of the family behind a three-generation business, working now to taking its products to the world, joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line. Udell Watts the fourth, co-founder of Old Arthur's Barbecue here in Chicago. It's really great to talk with you. Kind of give us a little sketch here uh, of the history of this barbecue sauce. It's got a fascinating history. Cisco, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to talk to you. You know, the uh, you described us as a three-generation, um, you know set of sauces and dry rubs. Uh, our company is actually uh, a six-generation-old company, uh, three generations currently involved. So the history behind us is that the recipes for our entire line of sauces and dry rubs were first crafted by my great-great-grandfather, Arthur Watts. Uh, unfortunately, the man crafted these um, First, these original recipes in slavery uh, as a slave in Kansas City, Missouri. They served him well as a free man when he was freed at the age of 28 at the end of the Civil War. Uh, he, uh, through the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, he found that he was able to leverage them to earn his keep, and he did so with them for the next 80 years. The man lived to be 108 
and created quite a bit of notoriety for himself in central Illinois, which is where he wound up living for uh, 80 years as a free man. We've precious, preciously guarded these recipes and passed them down to the family, and that's what we're offering people now, the taste of what Kansas City barbecue was literally 160 years ago. Yeah, so this has been a, you know, obviously something your family's enjoyed for a long time. When did it become something that you said, hey, you know what, we love this, maybe this is something that the wider public should be able to enjoy? You know, about uh, 10 or 12 years ago, my father and I were just kind of comparing notes and realizing that friends and family were asking us to come and barbecue uh, for birthday parties. It's not what we did for a living, either one of us, uh, but they were asking us to come and share for parties, um, birthday parties and things like that. And um, we realized that they were asking for a taste of the uniqueness of the flavors that we had passed down through the family. And that's when we decided, you know, let's um, commercialize this and begin to tell Arthur's story. So we started that about 10 years ago and have really leaned in in the last four or five years. Yeah, you're expanding. Uh, tell, tell us about that. Is it, is it grocery stores online? How, how are you actually getting this out to a public? Uh, a little bit of, of all of the above. So, uh, you know, we're in a variety of grocery stores, um, smaller retailers right now, uh, independent retailers, but we have recently gotten the attention of uh, some of the big box grocers and are in talks with them right now. So, you know, look for us on grocery store shelves. In the meantime, a uh, tremendous amount of our sales volume comes directly through our website, uh, com. When talk to entrepreneurs here, there there have to be challenges in moving from just having a family recipe that that you enjoy as a family to actually creating a product, uh, being able to market a product, being able to a- actually get every I mean just the the bottling, getting it into stores, all, all of that. Uh, what were some of the challenges of that process? You know, there's a little bit of compromise just taking your recipe and getting it uh, shelf ready uh, per the FDA requirements. Um, just that iter- uh, the iterative process back and forth with a contracted manufacturer um, makes you make a few hard decisions, uh, uh, compromises on the recipe. So we did so in a manner that we uh, – did so to preserve the flavor and quality as best we absolutely could as though it were coming from our own kitchen. But then once you get it in a bottle, you got to be able to turn around and have a place to sell it. So, you know, you can't just put it in a bottle and hold on to it. You got to have an idea of how you're going to move it in order to get a return on the investment. Got to make you feel good to see how it's been received. I mean, not only retail with people buying it and enjoying it, but uh, there there have been opportunities for you to to see what the pros thought, and, and you've done pretty well at some of these barbecue competitions. Absolutely. And, you know, the competitions are one thing, but also, you know, we were uh, recognized just last year through Food and Wine magazine, got a taste of us and called us one of the best barbecue sauces in America. At the same time, uh, two years in a row, the biggest trade industry publication, Barbecue News Magazine, has recognized us among the top 10 commercially available barbecue sauces in America. Uh, that's a that's a big nod considering the fact that we're a 160-year-old recipe competing with, uh, you know, the big boys here in modern-day America.
Yeah, it's really, really great. It's a wonderful story, and it's always exciting to see new entrepreneurs taking off, but uh, especially with the family history here. Thank you so much. That's Udell Watts IV, co-founder of Old Arthur's Barbecue. You can find them online at oldarthurs.com. That's our Friday entrepreneur. Just ahead, Nike hits a home run with sales, raising its forecast for the year. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Shopper are heavily into Nike these days, especially things in the Jordan line. Jan Rogers Niffen is here, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide. Jan, what's going on with Nike here? Well, if it's any argument from anybody, I'd have to say, you know, Nike has won the game. Yes, Puma's doing great. Adidas is doing great. But Nike is the guy. I mean, they proved uh, in this last release that, man, they can just continue to drive the business and their ability to drive it direct to consumer on their own website is just unbelievable. And I don't see how anybody uh, even gets close going forward over the next couple of years. They've just, they've put it away. And we've seen huge market share gains by various people during the pandemic, right? If you were Walmart, Amazon, if you were Target, if you were Costco, if you were Home Depot, well, now we'll put Nike in that category. They have figured out how to do it online and do it better than anybody else and sell it to you at a price you want to buy it. It's It was an amazing quarter. And uh, I guess uh, what's always surprised me, at least over the last, I don't know, couple of decades, is the enduring Jordan brand. I mean, you, you have so many young people wearing Jordan shoes that weren't even alive when he was playing. Yeah, really. And I think when he's not alive anymore, we'll still be seeing people buying Jordan and wearing them. Um, you know, that that happens. We saw it with Stan Smith's, right? People have been wearing those forever. That brand has never died. And Jordan was one heck of a lot, is one heck of a lot more famous than Stan Smith ever was. <laughs> and, you know, I think they're going to be going for a very long time with the Jordan line. I don't see any weakness in it at all. We seeing people as they go back to the office, we thought that they'd get back into uh... – less comfortable clothing it looks like they're wearing suits but they're going ahead and buying nike shoes they want their feet to be comfortable and maybe that's a a little piece of the pandemic time away i think we will see a slowdown in the athletic athleisure side of the business relatively speaking because right now everything's good right denim's good more dressy apparel is good, but the athleisure stuff and the athletic stuff is still very good. You will see a switch, switch away from that as we start to see people go back to work and it all start to happen. But I don't think that's going to affect Nike at all because Nike is a share gainer. There are plenty of people that can give up market share to the other side of the business as far as the apparel um, without affecting Nike. As you said, Comfortable tennis shoes and cool tennis shoes have been around a long time, and they're going to be around a long time, and you can wear those of anything. So I don't really see Nike being impacted, but I do think the whole athleisure athletic side has to be, relatively speaking, slower than what we see come back in the more dressier side of the business. Yeah, Nike stock really rising today, up more than 14%, 152.70 per share. That's Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.